Good evening and welcome to Bridon Messianic Synagogue's Tuesday evening Bible study. Tonight we're doing it live this way on uh, Facebook and also recorded so it'll be on our website. We're doing that because the weather got very cold here in Pensacola. It's going to be in the 30s and we didn't want to have everybody have to get out in the weather or uh, spend the money to heat our entire sanctuary uh, just for a couple of hours time to do the uh, study. So we decided we would pre-record it, let everybody watch from their home uh, in safety and in warmth and also be aware and cognizant of being good stewards of the finances of the synagogue. Uh, if we had, you know, two or three hundred people that were coming on Tuesday night, uh, we would go ahead and have it. But with the amount of people that are coming at this time, uh, due to colds and COVID and jobs and other things, we felt it was wiser just to pre-record tonight rather than running the heater in the entire building. So that's why we're pre-recording and that's why you're watching this way instead of me being live in the sanctuary at that time. Uh, some announcements to be made. I wanted to remind everybody that we will be releasing uh, the new date for Israel and Isaac Railing's bar mitzvah. It was postponed last weekend, uh, but as soon as we have a new date, we will let you know about that. The intercongregational picnic has been changed to February the 21st at 12 o'clock. Same place, same group of people, just a different time. Hopefully, it will be nice weather and we'll be able to have our uh, our picnic together. Tuesday night next week, Rabbi Jonathan will be teaching. I'm looking forward to hearing from him. Uh, Bay Youth Night next Shabbat at 6 o'clock. The Sisterhood Social is February 7th at 11.30, and the ladies will be going to McGuire's Irish Pub in Pensacola. Rosh Kodesh is Thursday the 11th at 5 p.m. Java Nagila, we have special music by Michael Johnson and also be joined by Polly Lockler on the violin for some of those songs. You're not going to want to miss that. This Thursday, that's two days from now, will be the last opportunity you have to get your order in for Danny Boys on this shipment. Danny Boys, for the don't who don't know, is a friend of ours who's in Jerusalem, has a shop there. He sells Judaic and other items, and we're trying to support our friends in Israel at this time during the shutdown when there isn't tourism and that going on, and also provide the needed items for our community. So if you'd like to order something from Danny Boys, uh, please contact the office so that we can get your order in and we're going to be sending that order off this Thursday, two days from now. Mark your calendars for VTS July 19th through 23rd, and we need lots of help with that. So if you're available to help either before in making the preparations, the, uh, the decorations, doing some paperwork, things like that, or you're able to actually help during the VTS, please see Catherine or Rivka. Uh, we have lots of positions to uh, to fill for that. We're also looking for volunteers to run our video on Tuesday nights and on Shabbat morning. If you're available to do that, contact Lincoln and he will connect you to make that happen. We're also looking for volunteers. Uh, we have a lot of people in our congregation who need rides at different times to different places, doctor's appointments, things like that, and aren't able to drive themselves for various reasons. For instance, Mary Grace, who can't drive right now because she just had arm surgery, or Marquita, who had surgery, or Cheryl, uh, who had surgery on her knee and just are unable to drive themselves or will, and others. And so we're looking for people who can volunteer to help get them to different appointments and different things going on. 
Uh, we're in the midst of a facelift for the exterior of our synagogue building. If you are uh, able to help with that, you can donate just by going to the website shalompensacola.com and click on the donate button and that'll give you a, a way where you can designate that money to help with the painting and facelift of our exterior building. We're looking for a rocker recliner for our nursery. If you have one you'd like to donate, not a sliding kind, but just the rocker recliner, please let us know. Also, if you need Haggadot, which are Haggadahs, plural, uh, that you need for Passover, we're uh, ordering those from uh, Rabbi Rosenberg, the uh, Messianic Trilogy Haggadah, so that everybody can lead their own Passover Seder at their home. So please uh, let us know if you want one of those so we can order in bulk at one time and get those in. Um, also, prayer requests. Please pray for Fred and Robin, for Jerry and Sandy, for Robert and Marquita, for Mabel, for Jeremy, for Misha, for Zach, for Jake, for Gordon, for Rabbi Bell, for Rabbi Rance, for Daniel, for Ken, for Glenn, for Kevin, for Sarah, for Will, for Timothy and Anna, for Raphael, for Bethany, for Lita, for Jim and Francis, for Rob, for Denise, for Zolina, for Terry, for David, for Rob, for Karen, for Richard, for Patty, for Noah, for Tom and Anita, for Rabbi Greenberg, for Michelle, for Rabbi Barsky, for Anne, for Sean, for Elizabeth, for Sedona, for Nathan, for Chad, for Ron, for Timothy, for Cheryl, for Thomas, for Mary Grace, for Lad, for Bridget, for Maria, for Barbara and Naomi, for Adam, for Lisa, for Susan, and for Catherine and their families. So that's our prayer list for today. Uh, if you have a prayer need, just contact the synagogue. We'll add it to our prayer list uh, and let you, uh, and that way everybody can be praying in unity for each of these needs. So that's what's going on uh, over the next weeks, as well as our prayer list. If you're not already watching this on a watch party, if you'll click the watch party button and share. And I mentioned that you can donate uh, on our website if you want to help uh, bless and provide for our congregational needs and our ministries to expand and go out. Um, I also want to let you know that we are working on a brand new website for our congregation. So look for an updated website uh, soon. And once we get that transitioned over, uh, we will be going live on our videos like this one. When we do them live, we'll be able to be on Facebook, on Apple TV, on Roku, on YouTube Live, and it will be live on our website. So those that don't use Facebook will be able to watch uh, the video live on other forums also and we're looking forward to having that ability because we know that right now there are those that uh, would like to watch but they don't have Facebook and Facebook has made it so those that don't have Facebook are unable to watch our videos now. So once again, if you haven't already done so, hit the share button or the watch party button as we enter into our study of Romans in context. Last week we did Romans chapter seven. I'm going to begin with the last verse of chapter seven for this week and then we'll go on. So Romans 7 23, 
But I see a different law in my body parts battling against the law of my mind and bringing me into bondage under the law of sin which is in my body parts. Miserable man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? And we talked last week, and you can watch last week's video if you didn't uh, tune in or weren't here present. But last week we talked about this idea of the, the battle between our flesh and our spirit and the idea that you can be free from the law while still obeying the law, that the law isn't just a list of do's and don'ts that are the prohibitions or the encouragements of God's word, but in the spirit we can follow those things because of the gift of the spirit and the power of the spirit. It's not just a list of laws that we obey because we want to get to heaven. It's a understanding that because we're in the kingdom, because we are born again, we get to obey those things. And it's a different mindset from a requirement in order to be right to the way we live because we are right. So chapter 8 begins with, uh, I'm sorry, it continues on chapter uh, 27, 25, but thanks be to God, it is through Messiah Yeshua our Lord, so then with my mind I myself serve the Torah of God, but with my flesh I serve the sin of law. In other words, when our heart which is when the scripture talks about our mind, it's not just talking about our thoughts, but it's our whole being and our, our heart and the motivation. It says, I, I myself serve the Torah. In other words, we, we want to serve the Torah, but we don't want to do it from the flesh because when we do it from the flesh, we serve the law of sin, not the law of God. Romans 8.1 begins with the word therefore. And again, when we read the scripture, we have to remember that chapter 8 is a continuation of chapter 7. It is not a separate chapter that can be interpreted or understood without being connected to what was said before. So whenever we see the word therefore, we have to find out why it's therefore. So therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Messiah Yeshua. You know, one of the differences between being a believer and a non-believer is the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation pushes us down, makes us feel bad. Uh, conviction lifts us up and encourages us. When we're convicted of God, it's an encouragement to walk and do what God wants us to do. And when we're condemned, it's the way the enemy attacks us. And there's no condemnation to those who are in Messiah Yeshua. There's no longer someone who's got us under their thumb or, or some thought or some feeling that, that presses us. But it's an encouragement. It's uplifting. Living for God is encouraging. It's uplifting. It's a blessing. It's not uh, being forced to do something you don't want to do, but it's being encouraged to do something you do want to do. Uh, so there's no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. That doesn't mean that we're that there's no sin anymore uh, that we have to understand and we have to stay away from and we have to be guided away from by the Ruach, but there's no condemnation anymore. It says, For the law of the Spirit of Messiah Yeshua has set you free from the law of sin and death. And again, this is important. It doesn't say that the law is sin and death. It says, for the law of the spirit of life and Messiah has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is not talking about grace versus law. This is not talking about Brit Chadashah or New Covenant 
versus Torah or Tanakh or Old Covenant. This is talking about the way that we are freed in Messiah to obey the law, which sets us free from the law of sin and death. And remember, the curse of the law was death and separation from God. But the gift of life allows us to walk in God's word, to be obedient to God while being free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what was impossible for the Torah, since it was weakened on account of the flesh, God has done sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, this is so important for us to understand. There are so many verses in the Bible that, that build up to this understanding. And the truth is, it says it is impossible for the Torah, uh, for what was impossible for the Torah, since it was weakened on account of the flesh. The Torah is perfect and pure and right in every way. What was the problem that made it impossible was our flesh, not God's word. God's word is perfect and complete in all ways at all times, but we failed, our flesh failed, because our flesh failed, because our humanity failed, going all the way back to Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve in the garden, God sent Yeshua in the likeness of sinful flesh and as a offering, as a, a sham, a sin offering for us, he condemned sin in the flesh. He overcame sin in the flesh by walking in humanity and still being sinless. He overcame where the first Adam didn't, the second Adam could. Verse 4, so that the requirement of the Torah might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Ruach. Now, it's important that this verse doesn't say so that the requirement of the Torah might be fulfilled for us. Yeshua didn't fulfill the requirement of Torah for us. He fulfilled it in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And again, the flesh desires sin and walks in sin. The spirit lifts us up. It encourages us to walk according to the Torah, according to God's instructions and commandments. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Ruach set their minds on things of the Ruach. And this is a good way to judge where you are in your spirituality. If we had a meter that we could look at to see whether we were walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh, when we think about the things we're thinking about, what, what is on your mind during the day? What is it you're thinking about most? Uh, are you uh, thinking about the, the Bible, the scripture? Are you thinking about sharing the gospel? Are you thinking about prayer or worship? Are you thinking about uh, helping those that have need, widows and orphans and others? Are, are you thinking for opportunities to demonstrate God's love and his grace and his mercy and his blessing in the lives of people? Or are you thinking about things that are earthly? Or things that are fleshly. When you wake up in the morning, are, is it that you can't wait to fellowship with God in prayer and worship and read His Word? Or are you thinking about that next television show or that internet thing you want to watch or Facebook or Twitter or any of those things? What is it that governs your mind and what is it that your thoughts are are in, in uh, connection with? And, and it's a good meter of where you are in the Spirit. Now that doesn't mean that you can't watch a TV program or that you can't use Facebook or Twitter. But 
what is the primary? What is the reason? Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing Facebook just so that you can have notoriety or feel good about yourself or using Facebook so you can communicate with others, so you can be a blessing, so you can encourage and uplift, so you can share the truths of God's word and his love and his grace? Or are you uh, into gossip? Are you into backbiting? Are you into complaining? You know, the children of Israel were masters at complaining and and, and they have nothing on the people of today at times with the way we can complain about our situations and circumstances. So if you want to know if you're living according to the flesh or you're living according to the Ruach, the Spirit, just consider the things that are occupying your mind, and that'll help you understand where you are on the meter of whether you're walking according to the flesh or you're walking according to the Ruach. Verse 6, Romans chapter 8, verse 6, For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Ruach is life and shalom. And this is important that we understand that if we have a mindset of the Ruach, our mind is on life and it's on peace or shalom or completeness or wholeness. If it's a flesh, it's on death. Listen, I know many people today and, and just understand from our circumstance of where we are right now, who are terrified of death. They're afraid of death, and, and you talk to people, and they're guarding their life and, and everything about it, and, and, and hanging on to this world and making plans for this world and, and doing all those things. But the truth is that our goal, my goal, your goal as believers, is to live through this life to get to the next life. And we shouldn't be afraid of death because death is just the transition from this life to the next. That doesn't mean we should rush it. It doesn't mean we should go out and do things that would hurt our bodies or harm ourselves or, or cause us to die quickly or sooner. But it does mean that our minds have to be on the things of life and shalom. And life is the eternal life, not the temporal life. Uh, verse 7, for the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not submit itself to the law of God, for it cannot. Now, this is one of the most important verses in this chapter to understand and to get a, a, a handle on, and that's that those that are not filled with the Spirit, those that are not born again, cannot submit to the law of God. And that, that word, the law of God, we're talking about the Torah, the commandments of God. So those people that teach that once you're filled with the Spirit, the law is done away with, or once you're born again, the law is done away with, and God gave us the, the, the born-again experience so that we could have deliverance from being under the bondage of the Torah, the Scripture actually says the mindset of the flesh or humanity is hostile against God. It's, it's animosity toward God. It's against God, for it cannot submit to the law of God. In other words, if you're filled with the Ruach, if you're filled with the Spirit, you will by nature, because your new nature is that of the Ruach, will obey the law of God and will submit to the law of God. And those that tell you that you don't have to obey the law of God are actually sharing the mindset of the flesh, which is hostile toward God. When somebody tells you you shouldn't keep the commandments or you shouldn't live according to God's word or you shouldn't follow his precepts, they're actually telling you to walk in the flesh and to be hostile toward God. And the reason they're doing that is because they're not born again. They're not filled with God's spirit to the place where they submit to the law of God. And if you're not filled with the spirit, if you're not filled with the Ruach, if you're not born again, you cannot submit to the law of God. 
no matter how hard you try. That's why when you try to obey God in the flesh, you can't do it. That's why Paul says, when I tried to do good, good was not found within me. It was because he was trying to do it in the flesh. He was trying to do it by his own ability, his own strength, and you can't do that. But that doesn't mean that you can't do it in the Ruach. When you're filled with the Ruach, you will submit to the law of God. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That cannot be said uh, too often, that we cannot please God if we're trying to do it in the flesh. And, and there are a lot of us who try to do that at times. Even those of us that are born again, sometimes we get frustrated. Sometimes things aren't going well, and we just want to put on that we're doing well. It's kind of like when someone asks you, how are you? And you're miserable, and you're not feeling well, and everything around you isn't going well, and you're in a battle for a spiritual battle and physical battle, and your family's fighting and everything's going, and you say, oh, I'm fine. And then you try to pretend that everything is well. That's the same way people do in the spirit when they're wrestling in the spirit, when they're battling in the spirit, when they're having these problems, and they try to do it by their own ability. I'm just going to push through in the flesh. You're not going to be able to live for God by just pushing through in the flesh. You have to humble yourself before Him. You have to pray until the Ruach takes the lead in your life, and then you can submit to God's will and His way, and that will be pleasing to God. If you want to please God, submit to His Ruach and then walk in His ways. Verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Ruach, if indeed the Ruach Elohim dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Ruach of Messiah, he does not belong to him. And again, these are some really powerful words by uh, Shaul, by Paul, who's speaking to the believers in Rome. And he says this in such an encouraging way, because he doesn't just drop the bomb on them and say, you're not born again. But he says, however, you, speaking to the believers, are not in the flesh, if indeed the Ruach dwells in you. He says it in a very nice way. He says, but you're not in the flesh. You're not displeasing to God, if indeed the Ruach dwells in you. And then he goes on to say, now, if anyone does not have the Ruach, he does not belong to him. And if somebody is not filled with the Ruach, if they are not born again, if they have not followed the, the pattern for a born-again experience, if they've not repented of their sins, if they've not been filled with the Ruach, if they've not been immersed and wash, had their sins washed away, if they're not walking according to the precepts of God, they do not belong to Messiah. And that, again, is a strong statement, but it's a true statement. It's a statement that we as believers need to hold to. We can't water that down when we're talking to people, and we can't compromise on the truth that someone must be born again. The Scripture says you must be born again. It doesn't give an op option for any other way that you can be with Messiah, that you can be made new by Him, or that you will go to the Allahabad, to the world to come. Uh, in right standing with the Lord. But if Messiah is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And again, this is important that it's not saying your body physically dies, but the control your flesh has over you is dead. And the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And that's not just his righteousness, 
It's our righteousness in Him. It's our walking in rightness because of the working of the Ruach or the power of God in our life. Too many times we hear people say, well, we can't walk in righteousness. We have to have His righteousness. It's only by His righteousness. But that's not what this says. It says the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. It's talking about the Spirit within us is alive because of righteousness in us because He makes us righteous and then we walk in His ways. The uh, kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit. Verse 11, And if the Ruach of the one who raised Yeshua from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Messiah Yeshua from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Ruach who dwells in you. And again, this is not just talking about, sometimes we look at this verse and we think this is only talking about when we die, that because the Spirit lifted him from the dead, uh, that it will also lift our mortal bodies in resurrection. But this is also talking about, the Bible talks about life uh, now, not just life in the future. And so, we, you know, he, the, God changes our life now and gives us new life now and gives us power now and gives us deliverance now and gives us freedom now and blesses us now. It's not just about in the future. Because we are born again, He will raise us when the time comes, but he has lifted us up now also. And it talks about us being in heavenly places with Messiah Yeshua now. We don't have to wait until later to walk in the fullness of God's blessings and in the kingdom now. Romans eight twelve. So then, brothers and sisters, we do not owe anything to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by, ruach, by the Ruach you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. And again, these, this is not watery, uh, watered down words. These are not just platitudes. He's speaking of the real issue that if you are not born again, you will die separate from the Lord. And if you live that way, you will die separate from the Lord and you will die, uh, deal with what's known as eternal punishment. And if you live in the Ruach, you shall live. And this, this is a choice we all have to make. Everybody has to make this choice. You are either going to live eternally with the Lord or you will be eternally separate from Him. And the choice whether you obey your flesh or obey your spirit. And the body wants things. The, the flesh is strong in its desires. But the Ruach is more powerful. And the Ruach will overcome the flesh if you allow it to. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Ruach, Elohim, these are the sons of God. And again, please remember that when it talks things in terms of sons of God or sons of Israel, that language is inclusive of humanity. Uh, kind of like we used to say all the brethren in older English, where it meant the whole community or everybody, men and women. And just like in many languages, if you're talking about a group of people, you talk in the masculine, even though you're including uh, the feminine with that. And so when it talks about the sons of God, it's not just talking about men, but this is talking about all the people of God. And if you are led by the Ruach, you are a son of God. And uh, by inverse, if you're not led by the Ruach, you are not a son of God. And so it's important to note that. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit 
of slavery to fall again into fear. Rather, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, I want to talk about a couple of things here. And one is that uh, it's very clear that it talks about this idea of the Ruach overcoming fear. And, you know, we, we have all kinds of fears. We have fear of height, fear of closed spaces, fear of spiders, fear of snakes, fear of other things. But that's a minor fear concerning what we're talking about here. This is the fear of being apart from God eternally. This is the fear of being separated, of failing. This is the fear that makes so many believers question their salvation because they wrestle with the flesh and they think, oh, if I did that, then I'm going to be lost and I'm afraid I'll never make it or I'm afraid I'm never going to be what I should be. The scripture tells us that if you have the Ruach of God, you can be all that God created you to be. It doesn't matter what your past is. doesn't matter what your abilities are, your talents are. God created each person watching this video, each person that reads the book of Romans, each person that ever meets Messiah for a specific calling in their life, and he designed you perfectly as you. No matter who you are or what you are, you don't have to fear failure or or being less than what God wants you to be or not being good enough for God to want you. That is a fear that the Spirit overcomes. It says, rather you receive the spirit of adoption. And I love this language here because Paul is speaking to uh, a, a group of people that are both Jews but a largely group of Gentiles, of non-Jewish believers in Yeshua. He's in Rome, he's or, or writing to Rome, and he's writing this letter to them, and he, he uses a specific Hebrew word here, and it doesn't matter which Bible you use. If you use a Spanish Bible, if you use a Russian Bible, a Chinese Bible, a Korean Bible, doesn't matter what Bible, an Italian Bible, whatever Bible you use, the word Abba is left in the Hebrew. And there's an important reason for this. And then it says in, in, in this translation and others, Abba, Father. And, and the reason for that is that Paul is writing to Gentile believers and saying, not only do you not have to fear being less than born again or not making it to heaven or not being good enough to be a child of God, but you're not just adopted as a second class or second rate or lower person than the Jew who was the chosen, but you have the same ability to cry to God, Abba. Now, Abba is the personal, the relational daddy. It's, it's more daddy than father. You know, when, when our kids talk to us and they're very serious, they might say father, but when they're loving and they're, they're wanting to be relational and they're wanting to have that, that connection, they'll cry, they'll say Abba or daddy. And that's what he's saying. This is, this is the, the, the language or the word where the child sits up on the father's lap and says, Abba, Daddy, I, I love you. This is, and so Gentile believers, and this is specifically talking to you and saying, you are not second class. You are not less than the Jewish people. You are not anything short of equal in kingdom calling in place. That's why it says they're neither Jew nor Greek. It doesn't mean there aren't Jews and Gentiles. It means that in kingdom purposes, in kingdom inheritance, in kingdom life, 
you are equal and any Gentile who has been adopted through the spirit of adoption can call to the Father, Abba, Daddy, just like any Jew. And it's very specific that we understand this, especially if you are not Jewish by birth because too many non-Jewish people are searching for a drop of Jewish blood somewhere in their genealogy to give validation to their place in the kingdom. Let me say clearly that if you're not Jewish, you don't need a drop of Jewish blood to be equal joint heir with Messiah and that you can cry Abba Father as any Jewish person ever in history could do so. You have the same available relationship with the Father that any Jewish person does. And there's no reason to go searching for endless genealogies and searching for a drop of Jewish DNA somewhere in your uh, ancestry so that you can feel good about who you are. One of the biggest fears that this text is speaking against is fear of not being what God uh, designed you to be, fear of not being part of the kingdom, not being able to be born again. And remember, one of the most important things we can remember about the scripture is that teshuvah or repentance or returning to God isn't about returning to Sinai. It's about returning to Eden. It's about returning to a place where we can fellowship with God as Adam and Eve did. We're, we're not just returning to Sinai. We're returning to the place where God created us, where there's no sin, no shame, no sickness, none of that stuff. And in Garden of Eden, there wasn't a Jew and a Gentile. They didn't exist in that way. So that's not diminishing the purpose of Jews who were chosen to be a light to the nations, but we also can't diminish the nations because they're not Jewish, because in God's kingdom, there's a joint heirship with Messiah Yeshua, and every Gentile can cry, Abba, Father, just as any Jew can. Verse 16, Romans 8, 16, For the Ruach himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children joint heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Messiah, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be made also to be glorified with him. And again, the Ruach bears witness that we are children of God and joint heirs. And, it, and it's so important that we understand this concept and, and how important it is for us as believers to not allow the middle wall of partition to be built up over and over and over, separating Jewish fellowship and Gentile fellowship from the oneness of Messiah and that he bears it, that we are the children of God. It's also important to remember that there is no higher position in the kingdom that any of us, whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish, male or female, there's no higher position than child of God. None of us will ever be God. So the highest we can ever try to reach is child of God. And as children of God, we are joint heirs with Yeshua. Joint heirs means equal in inheritance, and that is whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish. And this is so important, especially within the Messianic movement, that we get this understanding that although there are diversity within our body, although there are Jewish people and there are non-Jewish people, although we have different roles, just like there's different roles for men and women, 
There are different roles for soldiers and those that aren't soldiers, for farmers and those that aren't farmers. There are different roles for Jews and Gentiles within the kingdom. At the same time, our heirship and our inheritance and our position in the kingdom is equal. There isn't a hierarchy of importance that one group is more important than the other. We are all equally important because it takes all of us together to be what God needs us to be. Romans 8.18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the coming glory to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it in hope. Now this is so powerful of a statement, especially today. If you're watching this, this last year has been, for most of us, a trying time. We're dealt with, uh, at least where we live in, in Florida, we had hurricanes and storms. We had economic downturns. We had uh, COVID. We had all kinds of things that have happened to us. And each of these sufferings of this present time, none of them are to be compared with the glory that God is real for, revealed to us. And that's why it's so important for us not to get our minds on the things of this world to where they become more valuable to us than the things of the world to come. Because every one of us are on a journey through this world and this life is like a wisp. It's like a vapor of smoke. It's very short compared to eternity. And creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the sons of God. If we as the sons of God ever really got this and really became unified and really became filled with the Ruach as we should be, the power, the revelation of what we would be would change the world. And, and creation, all creation is waiting to see the fullness of what God has for us. And you and I can be a part of that. If we seek after God, if we pray like we should, if we worship like we should, if we read like we should, if we love like we should, if we share like we should, if we walk above fear and in, um, in complete faith. Uh, I, I wrote in, in a blog this week about how when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, that the children of Israel saw the Egyptian army behind them. They saw the sea in front of them. They saw Moses with them. They looked to Moses for help. And they said, what, you, you brought us out here to die. Why'd you do that? The one thing the people didn't see was God. They saw Egypt. They saw the sea. They saw Moses, but they didn't see God. The, their vision was all about the world and the sufferings of the world and what was going to happen to them. And then they looked to Moses and Moses in just as much error as the people of Israel turned to the Lord and cried out to the Lord, do something to help me. And it's interesting that the Father speaks from heaven and says, why are you crying out to me? And in the Hebrews, actually, why are you yelling at me? Why, why are you screaming out? Just do what you know to do. Hold up your arm and you will part the waters. If you read the scripture, it doesn't say that the Father parted the waters, although we know he did. But it says to Moses, you will divide the waters. If you will just do and walk in the authority that I've given you, you will accomplish these tasks because I've already set it in motion for you to do that. And likewise, 
the creation waits for the time when we walk in the boldness and authority of our faith, when we actually walk as born-again believers, as new creations, in the fullness of the understanding that Yeshua said greater miracles than he did, we would do. If, if we could just get our eyes off of the sea and start walking on the water, we would have an amazing testimony. This says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it in hope. There, there is a hope that overcomes every futility. If you've ever come to something where you tried to do it over and over and over and over, but you just couldn't do it, and you finally got to the place where it's futile, where I just don't think I can do it, and you turn to the Lord in hope, He has the ability to overcome that moment, that time, that, that end of your strength. It's when all that you could do has run out and you finally turn to the Lord and you, you grasp his hope. But we're supposed to do that before it becomes futile. We're supposed to, how much easier would our life as believers be if we actually turned to the power of God before we ran out of our own ability? before we tried to do it on our own it failed over and over and over how many times would our relationships be better off if we tried to do it god's way first instead of after romans 8:21 that the creation itself also will be set free from bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of the children of god for we know that the whole creation groans together and suffers birth pains until now. And not only creation, but even ourselves. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Ruach, groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption and the redemption of our body. If we could just understand that every time we think that we're still in bondage to this world, that we're still... Uh, under the auspices or the authority of the enemy of our souls, of the deceiver, uh, that we, we still, you know, I, I get so tired of people saying that Satan is the God of this world. He's not the God of this world. Uh, God has redeemed this world. He has redeemed us. And every time we put ourselves in bondage to the lie that we're still subservient to the things of this world, that we're still subservient to the enemy of our souls, the, the same we return to the same vomit again and we need to overcome that and understand that the whole world the whole creation is waiting for us to get the revelation of who we are so that the entire world shifts in a seismic change that changes everything Romans 8:24 for in hope we are saved but hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what is seen but if we hope for what we do not see then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If we just understand that it's already done, then we won't be waiting for it to happen. Um, it, it's such a simple concept, but it's so difficult for us to understand and walk in the fullness of God's promise. Verse 26, in the same way the Ruach helps in our weakness, for we do not know how we should pray. Uh, we do not know how to pray as we should, but, with the, but the Ruach himself intercedes with us as groans too deep for words. And, and I don't know about you, but I've experienced this over and over and over in my life where in, in my prayer time, where I'm praying for friends or family or needs of our community or our nation, where the words run out 
and the uh, my English runs out, my conscious words and dialogue runs out, and it's taken over by God speaking through me in these words that are too deep for us to understand on our own. It goes on from there, and it says, And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Ruach, because he intercedes for the Kiddushim according to the will of God. So he who searches the hearts is God. We, we don't know our own hearts, and, and he knows the mind of the Ruach because it's his mind, and he intercedes for us according to the will of God. In other words, there are times where God takes over our prayer because we can't do it on our own where it's so powerful and we're so deep and we're so in prayer and in the Spirit that God's Spirit takes over praying and interceding for us so that at that moment we're aligned perfectly with the will of God. And now we get to verse 28, which is one of the most famous verses in the Bible that's used out of context over and over and over because it says, Now we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. But that verse is not a standalone verse. That verse is a verse that speaks after all that we just said. So if you're not a son of God, that verse doesn't apply to you. If you're not praying and, and living like you should, if your flesh hasn't been controlled by the Spirit, if you haven't overcome that, if you're not walking in the Ruach instead of walking in the flesh, if you are not submitting to the law of God, Verse 28 isn't your verse yet. You can't claim verse 28 until you claim verses 1 through 27. They have to be part of your life. Too many times we want the blessings of God without actually being a child of God. We're like the spoiled child who wants all the riches of our Father without ever being uh, a child without ever being a, submitting to our father, without doing what he wants, just having our own will and our own way and our own desires without caring what our father wants. If you want verse 28, you have to have verses 1 through 27. You have to align yourself with his word, with his spirit. You have to walk in the spirit. You have to pray in the spirit. You have to be in the spirit. And then all things work together for good to those who love God. Because those in verse 28 love God, and that's demonstrated by all their life in verse 1 through 27. And those who are called according to his purpose. There are a lot of people who don't want that second part of the verse there at all. They just want all things to work together for good for them who love God. But they're not concerned with being called according to his purpose or being aligned with what he said in his word. It's so important for us to understand verse 28 is a wonderful verse. It's a verse that we should claim. It's a verse that's part of our promise, part of our blessing, part of what Yeshua spoke to us uh, throughout the words, part of what Paul is speaking here, part of what God uh, laid out since the beginning of the world. But we can't have verse 28 as our verse unless we first align with his spirit and submit to him in all things. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. And those whom he predestinated he called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified. One of the things we have to understand about the word predestined 
people use that term out of context and out of place. Everywhere in the Brit Chadashai, everywhere in the New Testament, where we see the word predestined, it's talking about a group of people, not an individual. So when he's talking about this, he's talking about the sons and daughters, the brothers and sisters. He's talking about the children of God, the group, this, the, uh, the kihila, the, the ecclesia, the assembly, the gathered, the called out, all of them together. And he foreknew and predestined that they would be conformed to the image of the Son so that he might be, the Yeshua might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. In order to be predestined, you have to be part of the called, the justified, and glorified. It's a process. And his spirit calls everybody, but everybody doesn't answer. Um, and it's a, many are called, but a few are chosen. It's just important for us to understand this concept. Verse 31, what then shall we say in view of these things? Is God for us? If God is for us, who can be against us? And again, it's one of those verses we want to claim, but verse 31 comes after all those previous verses. So if God is going to be for us, first you have to be in God. And if you're in God and God is for us, then who can be against us? There's no adversary that can stand up to God. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for, all, for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Again, when I talk about who shall bring a charge against, it's talking about the adversary, the accuser. He said, who can, who can bring a charge against God's elect if God's called them, he's justified them, he's made them clear from all charges. All accusations have been taken care of, all crime has been paid for, all sin has been cleared, and if there's no sin, there's no charge against God's elect that can be made by the adversary. Verse 34, who is the one who condemns? It is the Messiah who died and moreover was raised and now is at the right hand of God and who intercedes for us. When it asks who is the one who condemns, it's saying who has the right to condemn. In other words, the only one that can, can, can uh, accuse you of doing something righteously is someone who's never done it. Someone who's sinned can't rightfully accuse you of sin. They can't bring charges against you if they're guilty themselves of the same things. The only one who could accuse us is the Messiah, and he's not going to. Who shall separate us from the love of Messiah? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, but in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And again, when we get to the verse, who shall separate us? There are so many verses in the end of this chapter that are verses that believers, they get t-shirts, they get posters, they get bumper stickers, they get, these are the verses we like to claim, but none of these verses stand alone. And when it talks about who shall separate us from the love of Messiah, you know, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, those are all uh, beyond the prerequisite of being in Messiah. 
of being born again, of walking in his ways, of, of submitting to his law, of not being walking in the carnal, but be walking in the spirit, all of those things. So those are not things that you can do regardless. Those are things that you have to be, that, that you receive as a child of God. And for your sake, as it's written, for your sake, we're being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep for slaughter. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. There is nothing that can conquer you if you're walking in him, if you are born again, if you are submitted to his word, if you are guided by the Ruach, if you are empowered by the Ruach, if you are, uh, are not condemned but are uh, convicted to walk in his ways. But if you're not, then these verses don't count for you. And you're still under the accusation and the guilt and the sin. Verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah Yeshua. Now those verses are often taken out of context to talk about spiritual battles, but this isn't talking about spiritual battles. This is talking about our putting ourselves under these things and them not being able to separate us. In other words, uh, neither death nor life, the fear of death or life shouldn't bother us. Principalities or powers don't have the power to overcome us. Things present or things to come. You know, so many times we worry and we live in the past. Other times we don't live our life in the present because we're living in the future. We're worried about what's going to happen or what's not going to happen in the future. Heights or debts or any created thing will not be able to separate us from God. If we live for God, if we love Him the way we should, nothing will separate us or come between God. When we talk about the word separation, we're talking about something that comes between us and God. And too often in our life, we allow all these things to come between us and God. And when we do, we become carnal instead of spiritual. We walk and operate in the flesh instead of in the spirit. And we need to do that because nothing... If we're walking in the Spirit, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Messiah Yeshua. So I want to encourage you today as we close out for this Bible study that you reread chapter 8 and look at it. And, and as I said with the meter that I, I brought up earlier, when, when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing on your mind? When you're working through the day and doing what you're doing, uh, what's on your mind? What's in your heart? What's your desire? What are your thoughts circling around? Uh, if those are not the things of God, then please take time to get in the Spirit, to get in prayer, to repent of those things, and to allow God to reformat your mind so that you put on the mind of Messiah, so that you can walk above the flesh. That doesn't mean we shouldn't uh, want good things or want to be blessed in life and and not have sickness or disease or those things, but it means that we're not controlled by those things, that those things don't become our golden calf where God is on the mountain wanting to speak to us, and instead we're making something of ourselves on the ground level and the earthly. When our minds are of heavenly things instead of earthly things, then our worship becomes pure, righteous, and then we become the children of God, and it's then that we can conquer all things through Him. Thank you so much. I hope this has been a blessing. Next week, Rabbi Jonathan will be teaching, and the following week we'll continue on with chapter 9 of the Book of Romans. Thank you, and shalom.